We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Wednesday, August 9th, and no practice today for Notre Dame, but we're still going to talk about Notre Dame practice because yesterday, actually last night, Notre Dame had their 12th practice of fall camp, which means they're almost to the halfway point between the beginning of the season or between the beginning of fall camp and the beginning of the season, which kicks off on August 26th when Notre Dame plays Navy in Dublin. So very excited about that. So we're going to talk about today, yes, last night's practice. It was a full practice, so that was exciting to be able to see a full practice. We got a chance to see a lot of competition. I'm going to give some overall thoughts on what I saw. Then I'm going to dive into the defensive practice and then the offensive practice, and then I'll talk a little bit of special teams. And so it was uh, it was fun to be at the practice last night. They practiced at School Field in South Bend. We were not allowed to take any video or photos, so we don't have anything like that to show but it was fun to to be part of the uh, uh, to see the action last night. And, you know, sitting there with Vince and Sean and Vince and I are just kind of kind of getting some chuckles out of some of the stuff we saw uh, from the practice because you're 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 just reminded of, of where they are right now as a program. It's sort of that you all remember a couple weeks ago when I said kind of the stages of fall camp. And the first stage was sort of like right before camp in that first three to five days where you're just like, we're amazing. We're going to beat everybody. Then by the time you get to like week two, you're like, we suck. We're not going to beat anybody. And then by the time you get closer to the season, you have a better sense of who you are. Well, right now, Notre Dame is in that sort of that, oh, that that we suck period. Now, they may not think that. But uh, what that means is you kind of get into practice 10 to 15 or 16 it's like right in the middle you kind of get to that middle point through that middle point and you start getting heavy legs you can't jump as high you can't run as fast your your balls that you were hitting over top on post routes early in fall camp you kind of get what we call camp arm for quarterbacks you get kind of that dead leg if you're a skilled player we saw a little bit of that last night uh which was was kind of funny to see uh, but there was also a lot of great stuff we saw last night and i'm looking forward to uh to really talking about it. Now, here's something a little different. I know the Wednesday show tends to be just a, a solo show, no mailbag. Ryan is actually in the 
kind of producing today. So he's on the back end. He's in the chat and he's in the show. So he'll be starring questions uh, that he will bring up when we get to the end. So we will have a mailbag at the end. So you can go ahead and throw your mailbag questions in there now. And when we get to the end of the show, I'll or into this into the practice breakdown, I'll go ahead and and dive into those. One thing that I'm not going to do, just I know this tends to be something people like to do a lot, is ask me to respond to what other people wrote or said or reported. I'm not doing that. I'm going to can only talk about what I saw and my impression and my opinion of what we saw from practice yesterday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So let's dive in a little bit. And for, for, for those of you who are not message board members, this is a, a reason why it's good to be on the Irish Breakdown message board. Because a lot of this got put up last night. It got late last night, but a lot of this got put up last night. So my first part of the practice report, I put up around 1020 because the practice got over. I mean, Vince and I got home, gosh, a little just before 10 o'clock and got right downstairs, told my wife, hey, good to see you. Love you. But I got to get downstairs and get to this practice report. So got down to it and put the put it up kind of in segments, big picture, defense, offense, and then um, – you know, so you would have seen some of this stuff. You would have seen a lot of the stuff you would have seen last night. So let's dive in first with the overall thoughts on yesterday's practice. I was very encouraged by what I saw yesterday, just as a football team, right? And and a couple things that we noticed, obviously a lot of competition that we saw last night, a lot of chirping. And it was an, in, there was a lot of intensity in last night's practice. It was a very physical practice, not a ton of tackling. So I don't think it was supposed to be a tackling period, but there were some guys getting taken to the ground. And I didn't hear the normal stay up, stay off the ground uh, shouts that you normally hear. You kind of heard that a little bit a couple of times, but primarily I think the staff really wanted it to be a physical practice. We saw a lot of competition. Even the offense, who, who we'll dive into in a little bit, did not have a good night. For the most part, there was a couple of situations that receiver will get into, but like the offensive line, they got whooped yesterday, and I'll talk about that. But it wasn't whooped because they weren't competing. 
It just was a day where the defense played a lot better than they did. But there was a lot of competition last night, and that's what I like to see. A lot of energy, a lot of real energy. They started the practice off with a competition period, which I'll, I'll kind of talk about now, uh, not specifically offense or defense last night, but they started off with this competition period. So they get out of stretch. Team is stretching down to the left. Quarterbacks are down thrown to the right. So I'm kind of watching the quarterbacks throw the ball around, and then they come down and they they do sort of this competition period. We've talked a little bit about it before, but they did two receiver DB one-on-ones on a fade route, and then they did two receiver DB, DB kind of one-on-ones in space, and then they ran two goal line plays, offense versus defense, one offense versus two defense. So they get out there. The first play is Jaden Mickey against Rico Flores. Jaden Mickey just drives Rico out, forces an easy incompletion. Next, so that was a win for the defense. Next rep was Braylon James, uh, was matched up against Eddie Shiler, beat him kind of easily. Uh, Eddie recovered late, but Braylon outplayed him for the ball, made a really nice catch. Then they go to the open field drill. And so what they would do is they would line two receivers up. So this is the, the back-to-back or a receiver and a DB up back-to-back. And then at the signal, they would run apart like five yards, turn and face each other. And then it was like this open field tackle. And then like, you had offensive players on one side, defensive players on the other side, and you kind of they would the, the offensive player would, would run at them. You'd have to tackle them, but you had to stay within sort of where the two the two teams are. And the first one was Leo Scheidler, who's Eddie's younger brother, against Luke Talich. And Eddie Leo took the rep, attacked Luke. Luke was kind of breaking down, and and Leo made a really nice make you miss play. Uh, uh, to, to beat Luke Talich. And then the next rep was Jordan Faison, the freshman walk-on receiver against Micah Bell. Now, Jordan Faison's not your typical walk-on receiver. Ryan and I actually had Luke Talich and Jordan Faison on our show on signing day. And we've pointed this out. These are not your typical walk-on football players. And Micah Bell took a good angle to, to, to Jordan. He was attacking sort of to the edge to the right. Micah's got a good angle. Micah comes at him, and Jordan stiff arms him into the ground. It, it wasn't as bad as the Audric Estime Syracuse stiff arm last year, but it was a similar type of thing, and the offensive players just kind of went off. So then they went to the goal line period, and the first play, Xavier Watts comes screaming off the backside uh, on, a, on a backside pressure, reads the shovel pass perfectly, blows it up, big win for the defense. So at this point in time, you know, it's it's uh, I think th- three to one or three to two for the offense. And then the next play, it's uh, they just run a fade route. Sam Hartman, I believe it was Sam Hartman was a quarterback. Uh, I didn't actually well, I was watching something else, but I believe it was Sam Hartman was a quarterback. And he throws a fade route to Matt uh, Matt Salerno. Christian Gray was in coverage. Christian Gray had great coverage on Matt Salerno, and it was kind of a fade, but it was like towards the sideline. Matt Salerno kind of reaches out with one hand, hauls it in, gets two, at least one foot down. It looked like he might have got two feet down. Ref signal, because there were refs there last night, ref signal, touchdown, and the offense goes nuts. So, again, even though it started off well for the offense, and even though they ended up, I thought, if you had to pick a winner or a loser, who was the better unit, it was definitely the defense. But it just goes to show that that, that there wasn't – I didn't see, like, necessarily a lack of effort from a unit. There may be a, a player here, player there. but on on a rep but it was a really competitive practice it just was one that the defense controlled action I've told you all before fall camp first couple weeks the defense should be ahead of the offense and that was definitely true last night but it wasn't just it wasn't just because of 
you know, them just being naturally ahead. I really liked what I saw, but just big picture, I was really encouraged by what we saw last night from a, you know, just from a competition standpoint with the offense and the defense. Then we got into a little bit of special teams. I'll, I'll, I'll actually I'll kind of get some of the special teams out now because I know some of you all love special teams. But here's here's a we kind of got to see some punting and kicking last night, place kicking last night. Spencer Schrader had two kicks, three kicks from 52 yards. He missed the first two, made the third. The first one he just kind of got under. You could just hear it coming out off of his foot, and you could see it. He just kind of got up really fast, and you knew it wasn't going to get there. Fell just short. His second one was right on. He he hit it good. I mean, it was right on distance wise. He just missed. I, I didn't write down with he missed right or left. I thought I think he missed right, but I could be wrong on that. But he missed and he had the distance and he just missed to the right. The third one, he met he drilled and it was from fifty two yards with just a slight. It wasn't like a heavy wind, but it was a noticeable wind in his face and he still drilled it from fifty two yards. It, he has a very strong leg. He made every other one inside fifty that I saw. He hit a 48-yarder during practice, and it was actually a great hold from Dylan Devison. And what happened was is the ball got snapped, like, and it was right where he's supposed to catch it, but it was right into the ground. So he had to trap it. He trapped it and quickly picks it up, gets it planted, and Spencer Schrader booms it and kicks it from 48 yards and had plenty of room left. We also saw uh, the the walk-on punter – or, the, excuse me, the walk-on – the freshman walk-on kicker uh, who's – a kid that was he's a walk-on but I would call him a preferred walk-on like he's a guy that the nerding staff really liked he was very highly ranked uh in the sailor kicking camp his name's Marcelo Diomedi I believe is how you pronounce it he hit a 40 yarder uh had plenty of t- distance so there was about there was a building about probably about 10 yards behind the goal line or the goal post and he hit the building on his 40 yard. I mean, kind of the top of the building on his 40 yarder. So he, he got good distance on it. He's got a nice, like, not nearly as strong as Spencer Schrader's, but I think Spencer Schrader's a fifth year senior. Marcelo's a true freshman, but I liked what I saw from him. Then we saw punting, saw some punting yesterday. And we, I know we told y'all we were a little concerned about the punting the first time we saw it. It got better as we went on, but yesterday we got a chance to see a lot of of Bryce McPherson, the sophomore uh, punter that was injured a lot last year. I think he was also banged up during the spring. He wasn't healthy during the spring, but we saw him last night and he was booming the football last night. He, his first kick, I thought he kicked it from the 20. Cause I, I didn't look, I didn't look at it. I was watching who the returners were and it was about a, about a 40 yard, 40 to, you know, 45 yard punt. And then I asked Vince, I said, where did they kick that from the 20? He goes, no, I was like the, like the 12. And so he really hit, kicked it good. He had a couple 60 yarders, but they weren't like out kicked the coverage, like rockets. They were really high, stayed up really high. And I really liked what I saw, um, you know, from, from what, from what we saw it, from him, really strong leg. And then at the end, they did a coffin corner kick. And I know coffin corner is technically supposed to go, the term is supposed to go to the corner. It didn't look like that was necessarily they're trying to kick it based, based on how they covered it. But it's the one where they just kind of drop it and, you know, kind of kick it with a little bit of different angle. And it just kind of spins like this and just floats up in the air. And it's, you know, when you're kicking in your territory. And I think Chris Tyree caught it at like the seven really well done. And the other thing I noticed about Bryce McPherson, and, and and again, I'm not a special teams guy. I'm not a guy that coaches kicking and coaches punting, you know, but I've coached football for a long time and, and I, and I see different things. And the, what I liked from Bryce McPherson is there was a couple times 
that he caught the ball and the pump block got through really quickly. I'm thinking they're going to get to this. And he just quickly caught it, took one step and boomed it. And I was really impressed with the fact that his approach is so quick and concise. He doesn't take a long approach. He's a long leg kid, but he doesn't take a real long approach. He can catch it quickly and get that sucker off and still kick it with a lot of, a lot of power. So our, um, our concerns about the punting situation were somewhat diminished a little bit last night. Obviously, we've never seen the kid punt in the game, I don't believe. So obviously, we're going to need to see him do it in the game. But I was really impressed with the leg strength that that uh, Bryce McPherson brought to the table. We saw Ben Krim kick a couple. Just you know, good accuracy. He can put it where he wants it, but just doesn't have the leg strength that Bryce McPherson brings to the table. At least he didn't show that last night, and he didn't show that in the last practice we saw. So... Really liked what I saw from Bryce McPherson last night uh, for punting for Notre Dame. And then Zach Yoakum also got some some PAT or some uh, field goals. He's got a decent leg. His leg is much stronger as a kickoff guy. He came up short on a couple long ones, a couple 50-plus yarders last night. But it, look, it looks like Dylan Devison is going to be their holder this year. We've seen him every time uh, they've been out there kicking PATs and field goals with the first team. He's been out there. And, uh, you know, most of the snaps are on point. You got Michael Vincent doing it. You know, it's always on point. But he had to to really snatch one last night, and I was really impressed with what I saw from him. So that's what we saw from special teams. So I'm going to get that out of the way first. For those of you who are always complaining that we don't talk enough about special teams, because I actually was impressed with what we saw last night uh, from the Notre Dame special teams. We also saw some some coverage drills last night, which was good. There's some intensity there. Uh, Jordan Patello probably had the best rep of that, and uh, and that was an interesting one. We should have charted that. We didn't chart it, so we didn't mark all of it. We were just kind of watching. It was a really competitive drill. But the uh, the kick coverage team is going to have to work on their block destruction a little bit. We, we saw some play snaps last night where they just couldn't get off blocks. But uh, the, there's a lot of speed. There's a lot of speed of those guys running downhill to, to cover the, uh, the kickoff. So that's our special teams report from last night. And next we'll dive a little bit into the defense. So let's dive into the defense report, and I appreciate your um, your patience today. My voice is a little bit shot from yesterday's show, but uh, some will be able to sip sip some tea, and and that helps me uh, helps me get through. So appreciate y'all's patience. Let's talk a little defense from last night. Obviously, I felt I, I reported on this on the board. I felt the defense last night was without question the better unit. Doesn't mean they were perfect. Doesn't mean that they dominated every rep. Doesn't mean they won every rep. But just from the from once they kind of got through the competition period and started going into uh, you know, the, the one-on-ones I thought were more offense oriented. The running backs had a lot of success in the one-on-ones against the linebackers, seven on seven, not seven on seven. They do a seven on seven last night. They did a half field read and that's basically pick half the field. And so you got like a receiver a running back and another receiver or tight end receiver running back, you know, two, three receivers, some kind of trips, some kind of three receiver released concept against you know, a linebacker safety in a corner or a nickel corner in a safety, whatever uh, package they were in at the time. Mostly working on zone concepts. Won't get into the specifics of it because, you know, they obviously don't like us to do that. But saw a lot of different zone looks. I thought the receivers did very well uh, during that period. I thought the DBs closed well. It was a very competitive period. Where the defense really started to control action to me was during when we went to the team stuff. And I thought that was really where we saw the inside run as well. So when they were doing half field reads, I'm watching the inside run and I thought the defensive line really controlled the action. And then of course we got the team and and for the most part, the defense looked really, really good. So kind of just big picture. I thought that was something that was, was noticeable was overall. I thought the defense 
made the most plays. There was a lot of production. The way that they slated the practice, it was it was ones on ones at times, twos on twos at times like that. But there was also times there was the one offense against the two defense or the one defense against the two offense. And so they did mix that up a lot last night as well. And what was interesting is even it didn't matter what defensive line or front was in the game for the most part when there was a, def- a defensive line against the number one offensive line, the defensive line won the battle and they talk a lot of trash. I, I saw that last night. Like we saw that one video uh, from one of our recent practices, but even last night you could just see it. And, and Blake Fisher was a target, a lot of their, of their trash talking. Cause Blake is the only one that would respond. I mean, you know, Joe Wall, Zeke Carell, those other guys, they just kind of go back to the huddle. That's normally what linemen do. But, uh, you know, Blake would talk back at him, and the defensive lineman would let him have it. I saw Riley Mills uh, talked a lot of trash, but, man, Jason Onye is a major trash talker on the defensive line. He has a lot to say about every rep, whether he's taking the rep or not. He's always got something to say, which I thought was uh, which I thought was interesting from last night. And so – and and you want to see that competition this this period of time. There was no there was no fights. There was some pushing and shoving. That's part of camp. But there was nothing that 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 you would say, boy, that's not good, right? It's just part of that camp. You're just trying to get those competitive juices flowing. What impressed me about the defensive line, and I'll get into specific players, but just overall, what I what I liked about the defensive line is it's as I've noted before, it's certainly bigger than it's been in the past. Is the defensive line big compared to Georgia and Bama and teams like that? No. Is it bigger than what we've seen from Notre Dame in a while? Yeah, it is. You've got some really good size. You've got a lot of length. That's the other thing I noticed is it's a really long defense. I mean, Riley Mills is 6'5 plus with long arms. Gabriel Rubio is 6'5 with pretty long arms. Jason Onye is 6'4 with very long arms. Javante Jean-Baptiste is really long. The only guy that's out there that's not a super long guy is, you know, Jordan Patelho is not super long, and Nana Osafa Mensa is not super long. But when you look at the first two units, it's a pretty long group. Even Howard Cross, who's short, has pretty long arms. But he's the anomaly out there. And then Donovan Heinish looks really tiny next to the rest of the defensive linemen. Uh, he's sort of a bit of anomaly as well. But he was really good yesterday, and we'll get to him here in a little bit. But I just I was impressed with the the obviously the length and size of the defensive line. I was impressed with the strength. I was express impressed with how quick they are off the ball. It's a pretty active unit and and they're, you know, they're not, they didn't last night do a lot of stunting and a lot of twists. They were, they were kind of mixing between shooting gaps and then eating up space. And so we're still seeing them do a lot of the eating up space stuff, especially in the run game, but they were really physical held up better than, you know, we've kind of seen in past years at, at this period of time. So that was good to see. And, and you, man, it's hard to not be impressed by the depth of this defensive line. It, it was really impressive. I mean, last night, for example, um, Junior Chalamaka wasn't at practice. He's dealing with a little thing, a little injury deal. Not supposed, I'm told it's not that serious. But uh, So you saw a lot of Josh Burnham last night and with the twos and the threes, and he looked really good. But they're just – they can just throw waves at you last night, and that's a really, really an impressive part of it. Let, let's kind of get into the veterans first as we dive into the specifics of the players. Offense, defense, Riley Mills, as I said, he's been really good in camp so far. He's really good last night. He is really hard. I mean, offensive line has a hard time blocking him. And is it, it's not so much that he's just like shooting gaps and getting four four yard tackles for loss every every snap. That's not realistic. That's that would be more of a bad sign of the offense. There was one play where him and Gabriel Rubio both just beat the guards. I think it was it was Rocco Spindler and and uh, 
and Pat Coogan, I think. And he did just both beat him. It was an outside run. Just both one at the snap just got flew into the backfield. It was almost untouched. That's how bad they beat him. But for the most part, it wasn't that kind of play. It was more just winning at the point of attack, getting his pads where he needed to get them, getting his hands inside where he needed to get them, and then just driving offensive linemen off the ball. The couple times that the offensive linemen were either able to stalemate him or there's one particular play where a double team knocked Riley back about a step he anchored and then took the guard and just kind of threw him to the ground. And the running back just ran right into this plugged up hole. And it was just kind of one of those things where you, you, you like that competition. You like the way that he battles. He's playing physical, but he's also still making plays. At least he was last night in the run game. Didn't notice Riley a ton in the pass game last night, but they were running the ball a lot last night too. It was a, it was definitely a, a, a practice where they were trying to get work on their run game last night. And, and uh, he, he was very good in those instances. I thought Howard Cross had a solid practice. Didn't really watch Howard a lot because honestly, we already kind of know who he is. So I didn't really key on him a ton. Was really impressed with Gabriel Rubio. He's big, he's physical. And, and he was a little bit more penetrating last night than we saw him last year, you know, and that's, he's one of those guys we're learning a little bit about his quickness is still there, even though he's, he's a little thicker now and, and noticeably bigger but he had a lot of production last night, was really physical at the point of attack. There was a play where there was a third and one because they were doing down and distance stuff last night. And it was third and one. And he just whooped Pat Coogan off the ball, just whooped him. And then he's about to make a tackle and they blow the whistle. They blow the whistle plays dead. So he ended up not hitting the running back and it was a false start. But man, he was he was going about to blow that play up. It was almost one of those plays where they were lucky that it was a false start because otherwise it was about to be fourth and about four because he was about to make a big play in the backfield. Jason Onye was really athletic and active last night. He holds up much better at the point of attack than really I thought he was going to. I thought he was very active last night, had a real, some really good plays. Uh, blew up a toss play last night, read a screen and sniffed out a screen last night. So those are the kind of instinctive plays that, that yeah, you know he's athletic and he's long and all that kind of stuff. You know, But does he have a feel for the game? That's something that you know we needed to find out because this is a kid that only played two years of high school football. Last night he looked like it. You know he was he was for the most part gap disciplined, but being able to sniff out some of those plays was something I really liked uh, from him. Uh, didn't watch a ton of Nana or Jordan Patelho just because I they just I can't watch everybody and I wanted to focus on the inside guys and then some of the other the other positions offensive linemen. Nana had a couple of really impressive edge sets against the run that you just couldn't ignore because the ball was going that way. And, and he was, he was good in that regard. And I'm not saying Jordan Patejo didn't do anything. I'm just saying I didn't key on him when he was in there. I just was trying to watch more of the inside guys. So I don't have a lot to report about him. Donovan Highness, as I mentioned earlier, really good day last night, last night, you know, he's still going to have to put on some more weight and, and add a little bit more strength. He's just a redshirt freshman, but he's really strong for his size. He's really quick. And he was very disruptive. I think I had like three or four plays where I was like, you know, because the way I, I chart notes is I'll do, I'll put like the, just a number, you know, 41, you know, beat 78 and kind of talk about the move and, you know, 41 disruptive in a gap or whatever the case may be. And I had like four or five different little notes on 41 last night. 41 is obviously Donovan Heinish. So I liked what I saw from him. His athleticism is really noticeable. I just, he's one of those kids where this season, if he's playing, you just hope it's more in a in a limited amount of reps simply because you wonder how's he going to hold up over 30, 40 snaps in a game right now. But with another year in the weight room looking into 2024, he should be in a much better position to have more of a Howard Cross type of role. 
but what we saw last night, though, is if he's if his number gets called on this year and you can kind of somewhat limit the situations where he can and when I mean limit, it's about obviously protecting the wear and tear, but also you're not going to want Donovan Heinish in there right over the nose on third and inches when they're in 14 personnel. Right. That's just not where you're going to be using him right now. He is a quick penetrating disruptive player right now that's got really good strength for his size so i liked what i saw from him uh, tyson ford played mostly outside last night uh, he he has the big thing with tyson ford and i didn't report on this in the in the in the post is tyson's big thing is just going to be consistency he looks good he's athletic when he comes off with purpose he's explosive he's long he gets his arms on blockers he knocks them back he looks really good He's an impressive looking athlete, but then there's other reps where it's just like, okay, you didn't come off with the same urgency, the same force, the same fire, you know, and that's the big, going to be the big thing for Tyson is just, he's got to learn. And this is something we've seen in other periods. We saw this in the spring. We saw this a little bit in other practices where there's just an inconsistency there with the way Tyson goes about his business. Once that gets figured out, or if that gets figured out, that's when you start to really, really get worried about Tyson Ford if you're an opposing team. But man, the, the God-given ability with that kid is really impressive, really impressive. And kind of Anna looks healthy. Uh, he was really stout at the point of attack. Not, I didn't see him like really penetrating a lot, but I thought he held up well at the point of attack, which you'd hope from a kid that's 310 plus pounds. So interior defensive line last night, folks, I was really impressed with, and and. I mean, they dominated really all night. There was a couple plays here and there where you know guards had good blocks. There was a, a nice long run by Devin Ford, and when I mean long, last night long was like twelve yards maybe. And and uh, you know Devin got up and was fired up and gave the first down signal, but that was about it. I mean the other ones were like four yards, five yards, eight yards, and and a bunch of zeros and minuses and ones and twos last night, but. Just inside, just they're very active. They're strong. They compete. They use their hands well. It was a really impressive group uh, watching the defensive tackles last night. And then the reason I watched them a lot last night is because that's one of my concern spots. Really, the guard positions and the defensive tackle positions are two positions that we look at and say, "Boy, what what's it going to be this year? How are they going to be this year?" And you know, even though they weren't doing a lot from a pass rushing standpoint, even in the pass game, they were getting a they were getting kind of a, a pushback. Even though they weren't getting to the quarterback, I should say, not so much not giving a pass rush, but not getting to the quarterback, they were driving those guards and centers back, and the quarterbacks just didn't really you could tell just weren't super comfortable sitting in the pocket last night. So that was very encouraging to see uh, when you talk about evaluating the defensive tackles. Let's go to the edge, and as I mentioned, we didn't see a lot of of. We didn't see any junior two Alamaka last night. I didn't pay a lot of attention to Nana and Jordan Patel. They're veterans. We we know what they are. But we saw a lot of young guys getting reps last night too. And there was a couple really young, uh, three young guys that really impressed me last night. I want to start off with Josh Burnham. So with junior two Alamaka out, he had to take a lot more reps last night. And so did Bubakar Traore. And we'll get to that here in a second. And Josh took full advantage. He was incredibly disruptive last night. I got my notes here and there was a series of, Three straight plays. Let me find it here real quick. There was a lot of three straight plays where I'm just like 40 blew up, 40 pressure off the edge, 40 disruptive. And, and you know, he, he was really good last night. And he was beating whoever he went against. He had wins against Samuel Wagner. He had wins against Ty Chan. He had wins – or not Ty Chan. He had wins against Tosh Baker. 
Josh's step off the edge is just faster than everybody else's. I mean, you can just see it. He's just, when he comes off with purpose, he explodes off the football. He used his hands better last night than we saw in the spring, which is a really good sign because he's a kid that's learning. I mean, this is all still kind of new to him. He's only in his second year of playing the defensive end position. He was a linebacker and a quarterback growing up. And so I was impressed by that. He won with power. He won with speed. He was really disruptive. His motor was great. There was one particular play. I think it was Emil Wagner. Let me let me see if I can find my note here real quick. But uh, he there was one play where he just blew past Emil Wagner and just in one of the easy pressures. I mean, just Emil just couldn't get athletically couldn't get out to him, which is saying something because Emil Wagner is a pretty quality athlete for the for the right tackle position. And Josh just blew past him. Well, then the next, I think it was the next time they went against each other. It might have been like maybe a couple reps later. So Emil really gets out of a stance quick. Josh recognizes it, takes his inside arm, and drives Emil back into the backfield and plants him on his butt and then gets off to the quarterback and chases the quarterback out of the backfield. Those are the nuances that we didn't see a ton from Josh in the spring, at least when we were there because he was still learning the position. So seeing that was really impressive. And then there was another play last night where he, uh, I don't, I, I think it was Tosh Baker. I could be wrong on that. I think it was Tosh Baker, but he just, he shoots the gap so quickly and he blows up the play, forces the running back to bounce outside because he shot inside, forces the running back to bounce. They ended up tackling it for maybe like a no gain minus one, but he got held. And he still got in the backfield, and they called holding and, dropped, and marked him back ten yards. So that's not a, a necessarily him making a you know a play that's going to show up in the stat sheet, but it was him making a play, forcing the bounce. But then of course you get the offensive holding last night. So I thought Josh Burnham was one of the stars of the practice last night. Just with it, it, it's that combination of what you're looking for from a team like we want Notre Dame to be. Here's what I mean by that. When you start talking about guys' motors and the work ethic and the efforts there, a lot of times that's key. That's like code for kid plays hard, but he's not real talented or, you know, not really an elite player, but, you know, at least he's a try hard guy. What I was impressed with last night was, especially as like the practice started getting a little bit more intense, is you started seeing motor from guys that are dudes. I mean, they were getting after Josh Burnham, as I've said before, is arguably the best pound for pound athlete they have on defense. It's certainly in the conversation. And, and so I think that was, that was something that was impressive to see. But then on top of that, the motor, just the effort that just like, he just wanted to get after the quarterback and he, and he showed a little emotion a couple of times. Josh is, is not a real emotional kid, but boy, his teammates got fired up when he was making plays last night. So that was really good to see. Bubakar Traore is another interesting kid that we watched last night. So Bubakar is a guy that we talked when he signed, like, you know, he was 200, almost 200. He was like, what, 250, 255, something like that. Big guy, thick kid, broad shoulders, big arms, long, and was a guy that you looked at as a potential big end, maybe even growing to a three technique. When he showed up to Notre Dame, he was under 240. Now, it wasn't bad. He got rid of some some sloppy weight, but they're, they've got him at Viper. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know if what we saw in high school film. And again, as I said on signing day, I, I didn't see a lot of Bubakar. I, you know, from a senior film, we saw some, some junior film, but, but not a ton. And it's kind of a, a little bit of an unknown, which is why I didn't have him ranked as high as other others. But you could even see the elite, elite upside for him because he was my number one upside guy on the defensive side of the ball. And I just thought he would need some more time, and, and he still does. He needs time, and he's getting weight room and all that. 
But what I was surprised with last night was how explosive Bubakar is off the map. That that shocked me. Like he looked like a Isaiah Foster type of Viper last night. He really did. I I I was not really expecting that, to be honest with you. I was expecting a guy that was gonna look to be, you know, like a yeah, he's playing Viper now, but he's gonna be a big end, kind of like we thought with Aiden Govira last night or last year. It's like, yeah, he's he's he he's good there, but he's he's probably gonna be a big end when it's all said and done. I don't know if Bubakar can say a Viper. We'll see how he is as far as um, you know, just kind of being able to to show just the the nuances and, and how much he grows and gets bigger. But I got to tell you, man, he is a really athletic kid, and he had some impressive reps last night. He had two pass rushes where he just blew past Tai Chan. Now, keep in mind, I'll say it right now. Looking at the defensive end position, another guy that I liked at the end was Brennan Vernon. In the freshman class, uh, I thought that he is, as we said before, and Ryan's talked about this before because Ryan's pushed back against the notion that some people have said he has like a really high floor, that he's a pretty raw guy. They just kind of had him do like one technique uh, at, at, at mentor, and he was a guy that was really kind of a almost like a 3-4 defensive end as opposed to a, a an edge player. So there was going to be a learning curve there as well. And there is, he's got a lot of technical work that's needed, but you know, Vince and I looked at each other last night, like that as a, just as like a grown up, like on the hoof, just how he looks kind of guy. He looks like a, the, one of the older guys. I mean, he's just long and broad shoulder. He's got the beard and he's just really thick gets off the ball really well. He does. I, I like how he gets off the ball and, and comes off the ball with good quickness. He just doesn't really know what he's doing with his hands yet. I mean, there was a couple plays last night where he would just kind of take a guy and just kind of rock him back a little bit and, you know, just didn't know what to do next, right? And so he just kind of throw the guy to the ground or, you know, not really get off. And he would get a really good push, but then he doesn't he doesn't know how to take that second next step of using his hands, driving back, and then use your hands to kind of get free and get to the quarterback. That's part of the learning process that he's going to still have. Bubakar has some of that as well. But, man, those two kids came off the line, and they were physical. They were physical, and they were quick, and they they showed me some twitch and some length. Those are two very long players, and I really liked what I saw from those two guys last night. So uh, Brendan Vernon is another guy from that freshman class that I was really, really impressed with last night. Let's go through a couple other um, – aspects of I'm just going to look through my notes real quick just make sure I didn't miss anybody on the defensive line I did not and I spent a lot of time watching the defensive line last night obviously I can't watch everybody so certain positions I don't get as much I don't get as much I'm not going to have as much on them so like linebackers I'm not going to have a ton on safeties I'm not going to have a ton on some of the corners but I really wanted to focus on the D line linebacker wise a couple notes that we did see one-on-ones I thought the linebackers kind of they had some issues handling the running backs, but I think that that's a, an offensive-oriented drill. They were a little better in team. There's definitely some some route recognition work that's needed from the linebackers in the pass game. I thought the run game, they were pretty good. I think J.D. Bertrand is, is – I mean, this is pass game, right? But J.D. Bertrand is an exceptional screen guy. We've always known that. He looked really good doing it last night. He sniffed that out. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to him and and uh, and – Jack Kaiser, to be honest, I thought Maris had a quality night last night. He was decent in his drops, but he was very active in the run game. He would he would kind of hammer his proper gaps and really be physical at the point of attack. You know, gap assignment correct or gap correct. 
was good. He, he had a couple plays where he was able to win in this gap and get into the backfield and, and, and blow up plays from behind. That was obviously good to see. And he had a uh, – I thought he had a solid practice. He had a good uh, – uh, I think it was a tunnel screen he read well or perimeter screen he read well. So I thought I thought he had a solid night. Oh, Javante Jean-Baptiste is someone that, that I didn't mention on the on the edge. He's he's a guy that – I mean, didn't see him make a ton of plays. He had a one really good win late. I think it was against – I'm trying to remember who it was against. I, I honestly – might have been Tosh. It was Tosh Baker. Had a really nice – pressure off the edge just a really quick uh really quick burst off the edge didn't see a ton from him last night uh but uh you know he, he's got he, he moves well that's about all i could say about him right now i just didn't see him take a ton of reps last night but uh but he runs really well uh back at linebacker jalen practice jalen sneed i wrote this in the practice report last night and what he said was, or what I said was, is Jalen Seed had had sort of a like it was like a tale of two practices. There's the the practices where he's allowed to attack downhill and fly downhill, and he looks really good. Then there's the practices, the practice part of it where he's got to read and flow and do all those kind of things, and he's just not there yet. So, for example. There was a couple plays where there was running back perimeter plays or, you know, pass game. And he just was always late kind of reacting to those routes and getting out of it. There's a couple times he's just too hesitant when he's trying to read and react to an inside run. This, the linebackers would kind of get off, uh, you know, will kind of get off of him, get to the second level and just knock him back. You know, because he just doesn't he's not aggressive enough when he's unsure of what he's doing to kind of fly downhill and properly take that on. That's clearly an area where he's going to have to, to get better. It's just that being assignment correct. He doesn't always know what he's doing. He's not always comfortable with his assignments. He, I believe he was the guy that was out of place on a bootleg touchdown pass from Sam Hartman to uh, Cooper Flanagan, or not Cooper Flanagan, excuse me, Mitchell Evans. And, you know, he just, he, he kind of got lost a little bit in the shuffle. Then there were other plays where he was triggered. And by triggered, I mean, that's when you're, you're sent somewhere, either, you know, you're a run stunt, it's an edge blitz, there's a pass game blitz where it's like, hey, man, you're going here and you're going really fast. And he was great. He had a phenomenal edge rush last night. We just flew off the edge. The tackle barely even got a hand on him. Blows up the play in the backfield. He had two really nice, one during an inside run, I believe, and then another one during a team where he shoots through the gap and he just they, – the, the guards in the center weren't quick enough to get off their block, double teams to get to him. He just was so explosive getting through the hole. So when he does things like that, he's really good. Now that it's up to Notre Dame to do two things with him right now. Number one is you got to get him better at those things, right? He's got to get more comfortable, more consistent at those things. He probably, when it comes to just some sort of the nuances of the position, is is even still behind even the freshman when it comes to that type of thing, which may sound like a, a really bad thing, like, oh my gosh. But you got to remember, Jalen didn't play much inside linebacker in high school. He was a defensive end. He was a quarterback. He was a running back. He was a rover type of guy. He was he did everything. He rarely played off ball linebacker inside. So a lot of this is still new to him, and and so he's got a lot to learn still. But when you watch him on the plays where he's triggered, boy, he's an impressive looking kid. He really is. And you, so, so as I said, number one, you got to get them better at those things. And the other part is, um, 
you've got to find ways to use him when he's good at those other things. There are things he does really well, and you've got to find a way to use him. Sort of like maybe what they did with like Jack Lamb in 2019, what they did with Bo Bauer the last few years. I think there's there's value to what Jalen Sneed brings value to you right now. It's just at the present moment, as of Wednesday, August 9th, he's just not an every down linebacker yet. Now that may come. And he's got to work on it. He's got to get in the film room. He's got to do all those things that young players have to do when they're still learning the defense and learning the nuances and the technique. But even right now, with that being an issue, there's things that you can do with Jalen Sneed where he looks really, really, really impressive. I think Jaden Osbury athletically always looks good. Drake Bowen looks good. I didn't pay a ton of attention to them last night because, again, I've I've watched the linebackers a lot in the past. I just I I didn't want I didn't I couldn't focus on everything, and I just didn't focus as much on the linebackers last night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So good safety, some some quick notes from what we saw at safety, and then we'll wrap up with uh, with my what guy that might have been maybe the best, most, or not say best, but most impactful guy in the secondary. We'll do it at the end. He was a corner. Xavier Watts, really good, very active, lines up in all types of different places, plays over the top, comes down in the alley, you know, blew up a we already talked about earlier. He blew up that uh that shovel pass in the goal line. He sniffed out a screen. Uh, to Rico, it was, I think it was to Rico Flores, and uh, uh, Vince looks over at me because Vince didn't see who made the play, and you know he got there, and then they blew the whistle, and and he goes, uh, I look at Vince, and he, or he, Vince goes, yeah, I would have liked to see them give him that guy a chance to make a guy miss, and he goes, who was on defense? And I said Xavier Watson. He goes, oh no, he didn't make him miss, because it just that's kind of how Xavier played last night. He was really good, very active, uh, very athletic, very explosive, gets downhill quickly, makes a ton of plays, really, really talented player, and, and was really good. I, Ramon Henderson had a, a, an interesting night. He had a got a really bad rep against Jaden Greathouse early. That tended to be a, a theme for all the safeties against Jaden. I think it was a an outcut or maybe corner route. He got beat in half-field reads by Jaden for a for a, a, a red zone kind of touchdown type of play. But after that, I thought Ramon settled down. He had a good practice. He had a really nice – play where there was a crossing route to Chris Tyree. Uh, he was coming across and Ramon read it well, came from de- distance, drove downhill. As soon as Chris caught it, Ramon was there to make him, to tackle him. Maybe, maybe Chris might've had a shot to make a miss. You know, if they didn't blow the plate dead, maybe, but Ramon did what he needed to do. He was there. And, you know, and you're not trying to light up your teammate. So we don't know how exactly the collision would have ended in a real game situation, but at that particular moment, I thought he did a really nice job. And then there was a play later in the game or practice where uh, they were running a post route. The cornerback, I think it was Christian Gray, was playing over top of the post, and Ramon was playing underneath the post, which is 
that's how they're supposed to play it. And he just kept gaining distance and got right up underneath uh, Matt Salerno on the post route. Sam Hartman underthrew the ball a little bit. Ramon made a great play on it, outplayed him for the football and, and picked it off. So I thought Ramon had a solid night last night, real solid night last night. Uh, Don Schuler really caught my eye last night. I, I didn't see a ton of Ben Minnick last night, but I did see a lot of a Don Schuler. He is he's not a fast kid, but he just he gets to full speed quickly. He moves well. He's a little bit more fluid than I thought he was going to be. Uh, makes really quick decisions in the run game and pass game for a freshman. He was very active last night in half field reads is, is when I saw him a lot. Didn't see him a ton during team, but he would like, as far as like watching the whole rep, but then you'd watch the ball and then just a Don's like right there getting to the ball. So it was really impressive. what I saw from a Don Schuler last night as well. I'm going to wrap up the defensive side with um, what I thought, obviously I thought Cam Hart had a, a solid day till he got knocked out. He came down off the edge on a, a run play, blew it up, and then got up a little bit slow, walked off the field uh, on his own, on his own, wasn't holding a shoulder or anything like that. So that was obviously a good sign. And then we didn't see him again. Clarence Lewis is okay. They just ignore Benjamin Morrison. I mean, the offense does. They just don't throw at him. Micah Bell, a little inconsistent, you know, very fast, still learning the position, had a really nice uh, coverage on a one-on-one against Deion Colsey. And then a couple other times, just, you know, late reacting. He's still learning the position. He can really run just raw. But Christian Gray last night was, whew, he was outstanding last night, folks. He got beat on that first drill by Matt Salerno. And I, when I say get beat, it was a great throw and catch because Christian was where he needed to be. It was just, I, I guess, I think it was Hartman. I, I could be wrong on that. I wasn't watching the quarterback. I was watching uh, the others. But I, I thought it was Hartman that did it. But he throws the fade route to Matt Salerno. And Gray's right where he needs to be. So I know it makes a great catch. That was the last time I remember them catching a ball on him all night long. Oh, there's one other time. And, the, uh, and I'll describe that play later. But it was a, a scramble play that was reminded me a lot of the play that C.J. Stroud made last year against Notre Dame on the sideline. But he was just outstanding all night. He went against Tobias Merriweather on a rep. And just, I mean, just completely jammed him. I mean, Tobias couldn't get off the rep. Now, that's going to concern some people. I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Shouldn't just just enjoy Christian playing really well. Then there was a play where Jaden Thomas tried to beat him on a go route, and Christian just opened up with him, got his inside arm on, and just drove him to the sideline. It was a really physical play, which you know Christian's still a skinny kid, so I wasn't really expecting to see that last night. They tried to beat him on a quick post to Matt Salerno. He jumped it, beat him to the spot, broke the pass up. And then you'd watch him on other plays where the ball's not coming to him. And he just was very confident last night, very quick, very fluid. Being in a a defense that allows him to play a lot of man, he doesn't have to have a lot of knowledge of eight, you know, 15 different coverages. He can just line up and play. And he was really good. I was, and that was a good sign because the last time we saw them sort of have a competition practice earlier in the week, the receivers made more plays than the DBs. And this is, you know, why you shouldn't overreact to one practice. But Christian got beat. He just kind of got out physical for the ball. We've seen that happen a couple times, but he really stepped up last night. He was a lot more physical. Reminds me a lot of, I mean, this is really unfair to say, but just he looks a lot like Benjamin Morrison, you know, similar height, similar body type, easy movements, really easy movements, really fluid movements, really fast. He's probably faster than Benjamin, just pure speed, not as efficient as Benjamin was last year, but, but not far off. And so he was, he really impressed me last night. He's going to, as we said, as we said all, all summer, it's going to be hard for him to 
crack the top three, but he's going to make it hard. He's going to battle. He's going to make it hard. There's no doubt about it. And I really like what I saw from him last night as well. I thought he was one of the stars of the practice. And it's just one of those things where you're reminded last night of how good and how I should say how well Mike Mickens has recruited that position. I mean, he was, he has really turned it around, you know, and, and, uh, he, he, he's an impressive guy. There's no doubt. And you took it like veterans chance. Tucker wasn't out there last night. He hasn't been out there for a few days. Ryan Barnes had a red Jersey on, so he couldn't, which means he can't do team. And as we talked about this summer, you do not want to be a veteran cornerback and miss too much of practice with Christian Gray on the, on the roster. It just, it's, it, it could, it could be a situation where you just don't get it back. And uh, if he can put some more practices together like that last night, he's just going to be one of those kids where you just say, this kid's too good not to play. You got to play him. He's just too good not to play. And that's how good Christian Gray was last night. Let's get into the offensive side of the ball and and talk about the offense a little bit. We'll talk about them at length, but it probably won't be as extensive as as we did the defense because we've kind of already talked about some things. But obviously it was not a great night for the offense last night without question. And you can kind of get into the whole the offense is supposed to or defense is supposed to be ahead of the offense. And that's true. And that's why you shouldn't overreact to it. You shouldn't overreact to it as well, because as I explained to somebody last night, you say, hey, well, the defense won last night. OK, here's a couple realities that I, that I can can share with you. I coached on see three different offenses in, in my coaching career where we set multiple offensive records. Twice we set scoring records, we set set yardage records, passing records. And I can assure you on all those record-setting teams, and they were all postseason teams, one team that I was a part of, we won a national championship. Another team, we won a conference championship, or excuse me, we, didn't get a, we were tied for the conference champion. Uh, but we went to the college football, or, you know, college football playoffs for the first time, the Division three playoffs for the first time uh, in school history, won a playoff game by 50. You know, we won 10 wins for the first time in school history. Next team I was a part of. Actually, the the win record we set my first year there is still the all-time win record. We set scoring records. We set pass defense records. I'm making this point to to say this to you. There were many times, especially in the first couple weeks of practice, where the defense kicked our butt. Many times. It's just part of it. And then there's other times where we kicked the defense's butt. And then, of course, as we get deeper and deeper into the season – you know, obviously we were the better unit and we were uh, obviously really, really good on offense, but that's just a part of practice. And the, and the, the, the reason I would encourage you all to not overreact to it and just kind of take it for what it was a, what we saw this day is because let's say they're going to be back on the practice. They're going to be back, back on the practice field tomorrow. And they get into a situation where the offense dominates the defense Guess what the practice reports are going to say about that offensive dominance? Nothing, because we're not there. We This is the first full practice we've been to since the first day of fall camp. So while there are things that need to get better as a coach, there's a lot that if I, from a coaching standpoint, there's a lot I'm correcting from last night on the offensive side of the ball, especially receiver. But there's also things we've seen from those groups that that are good that we've seen in the past, but they've got to continue to get better, not even to the halfway point. So it's really not something that right now, that right now you should be overly concerned with. And just, it, it was what it was last night. They got outplayed by the defense. And so we're going to talk about that, but those are just things to me that, that I, I kind of wanted to kind of get into and say, Hey, 
Let's not get too carried away. Some of the sky is falling responses I've seen on Twitter and on the message board. Uh, just really that there's, they're just not, they're not appropriate for where we are in camp. If, if in a week and a half, I find out that the defense is still dominating, then yeah, it's, it's, it's time to be a little bit concerned, but let's also remember something else, especially when you talk about the receivers, they're going against arguably the best cornerback group in the country. Like, let's not forget that. And, and uh, that needs to be taken into context now for the receivers. And I'm going to start there because that's where everybody's talking about. They've got to start playing better. I will say that they definitely got to play better. And it's not so much the technical things that bother me. And I'll get into some of those. They're just not coming down with enough footballs. And I think that was for me was probably the most disappointing thing for me last night was, and what we've seen from some other practices is they're not, they're just getting out competed for the football by the defense. Now that's a one, that's a great for the defense. I mean, they're, they're making plays. They're knocking balls out. They're, they're getting their hands in the football. That's something that Ryan and I and Vince and I have talked all summer about the defense has to be more disruptive on the ball, et cetera, et cetera. You can't have a more disruptive defense if your offense is winning every battle, right? That's kind of the the rub at the same time. The offense has got to start doing a better job of competing for the football. There was a rep last night where you know, Tobias Merriweather has a great release on Cam Hart, beats him off the line, back shoulder ball. He just doesn't come down with it. He's got to start coming down with that. You know, Jaden Thomas, the one of the concerns we've had about him in the past is I really like Jaden in the slot, but they're playing him outside a lot more now. And that was the thing we talked about last year is he wasn't as good outside. Why? Because that's where kind of his lack of speed can maybe create some issues with separation. Well. Last night, he had some issues with that. He couldn't get separation. He couldn't win at the line against Christian Gray and Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison. And so that's an area where you, you, I think it's fair to have some concerns about those things right now. I, I think that's fair. To 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 get into the whole, well, they're just going to struggle overall. I think that's way too soon, way too soon, especially when you look at kind of some of the things that they're working on last night. I thought during the half-field read period, I was very encouraged by what I saw from the receivers. I thought they were getting good separation on some of their deeper routes. I thought they were uh, uh, really showing a lot of instincts catching the ball in traffic. I thought that was very encouraging, you know, finding those soft spots for the most part. A guy that had sh- had trouble with that multiple li- times last night, though, was Deion Colsey. There was a, a couple plays where he stopped in the window and the quarterback starts to throw, and then Deion just, for some reason, just kind of, reacts and just moves and then the quarterback throws the ball where it's supposed to go and Dion kind of looks at him like you know what's going on and and it's just it was a mistake by Dion. later in the practice it's a one-on-one he come he runs a comeback and you know I think he should have ran a go route there was some miscommunication dropped an out cut or a comeback route that he shouldn't shouldn't have had there were some things like that but he also had a couple really impressive catches during those periods as well uh, Jaden Thomas had a couple nice grabs during the half field read period uh, as did Tobias, guy that I that, that caught the ball really well last night was Braylon James, who's a guy that uh, we've talked in the past about uh, having some issues consistently catching the ball because you could tell he was thinking last night. Well, last night Braylon was a lot more confident. Obviously, beat Eddie Shiler in the one on one, which he should have. And and uh, I mean, you know, Eddie's not just I mean, Eddie's a walk on, but Eddie's a good football player, good athlete, and and uh, you know, it's a quality walk on. But Braylon's got him by like four inch, four or five inches, and he's just the faster athlete. He should win that rep, and he did. I just don't want that to come as as disrespect towards Eddie. 
There's another play in in, in uh, half-field reads where he ran like a little snag route. It's a quick route, three to five yards down the field, or four to five yards down the field. He's got to stop between the flat defender and the corner. He does. He fits, finds in that right perfect spot, gets his head around on the football immediately. And I can't remember if it was Angeli or Minchie, just snaps the ball to him, and he just catches it, catches it with his hand, secures it, and gets drilled from both sides, held on the football. And then he had a really impressive rep and team and jelly through, or uh, excuse me, Kenny Minchie threw him a stop route late and the ball came late. And so the corners just basically pulling Braylon down and Braylon snatches his hands up, catches the football, brings it in really impressive play. And that's the thing I've said is he can do that. It's just when he's still thinking and he's not confident in what he's doing, he'll get into situations where he's just not thinking about making the catch. Cause he's still wondering, okay, am I doing this right? When he knows what he's doing and he's confident, Braylon catches the ball just fine. And he certainly did that last night. Jaden Greathouse and Chris Tyree, to me, were the two most impressive receivers last night. Chris didn't catch a ton of balls, but he was open a lot. There was one particular play where he ran a kind of an in and an over, sort of like a climb route against Clarence Lewis and just accelerated away from him. A good ball from Sam Hartman. Maybe Chris Tyree has an angle to catch it and then outrun Clarence Thomas, who was kind of coming from over the top on him. But pressure came right at the middle, and Sam just kind of short-armed it, and it was behind him. We'll get to Sam here in a little bit. But uh, Chris had some good moments last night. He was open quite a bit. I thought that Jaden Greathouse just looked solid. He played had a couple outside reps last night, did well from the slot. Looked like he misplayed a seam route a little bit. I didn't see the entire route, but you could just kind of tell the way he was being coached at. They looked like he was maybe supposed to bend it inside a little bit, and he didn't. Ball fell short, but he, he's a really – I said Clarence Thomas. I always do that. It's Clarence Lewis. I, I see people in the chat saying that. I don't know why I keep doing that. That's probably like the 10th time I've told Clarence, called Clarence Lewis Clarence Thomas. Apologies to, uh, to, to both of them. But I, I thought that um, – that Jane Greathouse had another good practice. He's just he's just going to play. That's just as simple as that. He's going to play. Rico Flores probably had his most his roughest practice we've seen at, at Notre Dame going back to the spring. Just had some issues, kind of getting off the line at times, and and uh, you know just has to be more consistent there. Did have a he, there was a wheel route where he came open, and if the quarterback would have seen him, he's probably open for a big play. And he missed it, and the quarterback didn't see it because he was pressured, and and so he didn't throw it to him. But uh, you know, Rico, he was okay. He wasn't bad. He just you know, sometimes he telegraphs his moves a little bit. But here's the thing, too, and this is what I noticed last night. As a former receivers coach, I can tell you, by the time you get to kind of week to a camp, the biggest arguments we would have as coaches, or you know, with the players going back at each other, is you see, you play against me every single day, every day. I can only use these moves so many times before you kind of know what's coming and you start jumping the route and those kind of things. And so some of the stuff that Rico was doing that was getting him open early in camp is not getting him open now. Well, that's part of it as a receiver is, is you've got to, you know, got to have a little bit of nuance to that, but you saw a little bit of that last night. You know, the, 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 the DBs knew what was coming sometimes and they could kind of anticipate and jump the route. And, and that's going to play into some of those things too. They know the checks, they know the calls, and you start playing some of those things, but still no excuse for what happened last night. It's just one of those things where it just plays into, into what you're seeing from the receiving core last night. So uh, they got to compete a little harder and, and, and not that they weren't trying, but you just got to have, you just got to find they what the DB, what the receivers are going to have to do 
especially going against the corners they're going against. Because, you know, obviously we know Benjamin Morris and Cam Hart are, are outstanding. And and Christian Gray was a you know big time recruit who's a very talented guy. Yeah, those guys are really good. You got to learn to to win those battles. You got to start beating those guys in those situations. And and you've got to to kind of dig deep a little bit and say, hey, you know, I just I got to find a way to to get this done. I've got to you know get in the film room and say, what wh- why did this guy jam me at the line? What do I got to do to do better? Okay, you you use the same move three times in a row, and the third time you did it, he got up in your chest and knocked you back. So. Okay, use that to your advantage. What could you do next time? Okay, give him a little nod here. Maybe go where you want to go initially, then slam him inside, then go. Just kind of mixing it up a little bit. You're going to need to do some of those things. But the reality is, is Navy and Tennessee State and NC State and all them, they're not going to have 15 practices against you to be able to, to read everything that you're doing, like we're seeing on defense. And so, no, but that's part of what makes you better as a receiver is they do know those things. And then you still got to find a way to win. And when you can find a way to win in those situations, that's how you start getting yourself saying, okay, now I'm ready to go. They're not ready yet, but here's the thing for, for everybody stressing about how the offense isn't there and they're struggling. And all, yes. They, if the offense had to play a game on Saturday, I'd be concerned. If they had to play a game on Saturday, August 12th, I'd be concerned about how good the offense would be. But Saturday, August 12th is, is still two weeks away from when the season starts. So this is part of the building process. And you get your butt whooped in a practice. You get in the film room. You kind of take have a little pride in the fact that you got your butt whooped. And you got your butt whooped in front of the media and other people that were there. And some high school kids were there and all that kind of stuff. Um, some high school coaches, excuse me, were there. AD's there, the NBC people are there, all that other kind of stuff. And you got your butts whooped. You got your butts whooped last night. So what do you do about it? You get in the film room, you you find the corrections, you work on those different drills, and you and you kind of get a little ticked off. What I want to see from the receivers, we haven't seen yet. And this is what's going to tell us a lot. And I don't know that we're going to get a chance to see it because we don't get any more full practices. But what I want to see from the receivers is I want to see better reaction to when they get beat. And I want to see a little bit of better reaction to them. And I don't even mean get beat. Here's a better way of putting it. I want to see them react a little bit better when they don't win. And that's what I'm not seeing enough. Look, Tobias Merriweather is, a, is kind of a low-key kid. He's not a real emotional guy. He's a very thoughtful kid. He's not. He's just not the, the, the typical you know receiver that's always yapping and, and demonstrative and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. I don't need him to change that. Be who you are. But I need to see a little bit more from Tobias that says, hey, I need to be better than this. Let me go be better than this, right? And that's going to be, I'm not saying he hasn't done it. I'm saying that's what I need to see now because we've had a couple practices in a row where Tobias has gotten, you know, maybe lost a few too many battles than he should in those one-on-one. So what do you do to get better about it? How do you work on it? You know, do you do you get a little bit kind of ticked off and you and you, you know you really kind of turn it up that next time? That's all part of that growing process. And what's going to tell us if this receiving core is ready to for for the for prime time is going to be how they respond to what we saw last night. One is you don't overreact to it. Number two is you get in the film room, you fix it, you correct it, but then you got to start playing with a little bit of you know a little bit of attitude in my opinion. And I, and I want to see that from this group. So uh, that's something I'm going to have my eye on the next few times that we're able to have some practice access where they allow those guys to compete a little bit. 
uh, and uh, and show me a little something. And and again, Tobias is getting open a lot. He's just uh, as open as you're going to be against you know Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. He just has to start winning when the ball comes his way. That's going to be the key. The rep where he got jammed up by Christian Gray is a great play by Christian Gray. That's part of camp. I've had I look. I've had all American receivers have days where they, you know reps where they just kind of some freshman you know corner they try and move and the corners are sitting on it and he just jams them up and he doesn't get off the line and you know and and uh, you get a little fired up about it. If you're doing a one on one, you want that receiver to jump back up there and say, "Let's do this again." But that happened last night during team. You can't say, "Hey, coach, do the rep again" because I got my butt kicked on in a press. This is not how it's done. You learn from it and you go back out there and do it next time. But uh, the receivers are certainly going to have to, to to play better than they did. Deion Colsey just has to be more consistent with from an effort standpoint, right? And again, people are going to take that and, and say that he wasn't trying. It's not so much a trying part. I'm not saying he's lazy. I'm not saying any of those things that people are going to assume that I'm meaning by that. It's just there's still just times where it just looks like he's just uncertain of what he's doing or that he's he just doesn't turn it loose. And I want to see that from Dion because when he has good reps, man, he's really good. It just there's just so much inconsistent. He'll make a great catch on it. Like I I had a, a, a written last night, like you know zero really good catch, you know low catch off the ground. And then I think the I think the next ball or maybe two balls later, he just drops an easy comeback with nobody near him. That's a focus thing, right? That's a that's not a lack of talent. It's not lack of tools. That's a focus thing. And, you know, we'll see him smoke Benjamin Morrison on a post route and then two plays later, Micah Bell's covering him up, right? Like those are the things from Dion. It's just, we just need to see that consistency. And it's not even just consistency from an execution standpoint, but just be locked in, you know, be locked in, just, you know, know what you got to do and then go do it at a high level. And and we're just not seeing that from really any of the receivers, uh, but especially him. And, and we just need to see him get a little bit better. As I mentioned before, I liked what I saw from Braylon James last night as well. I thought he had probably the most impressive practice we've seen. Now he's working mostly with the threes, but he's making plays, and he's looking more confident in what he's doing, and that's certainly a good sign from him uh, from what we saw last night. Running back-wise, uh, Audric Estime limped off the field early. Didn't look like – I mean, I don't. I should say this because I'm not a doctor, but it just – you know, the team docs are talking to him. He didn't look to be in, in severe pain. Who knows what that means? Jabron Payne limped off last night. So we saw a lot of uh, Jadarian Price and Devin Ford. I, I think J- Jer- Jeremiah Love seemed to be a little bit hobbled as well. So we saw a lot of Jadarian Price and, and Devin Ford last night, and they did okay. They competed in the past, in the past pro game. They were actually open a lot on past stuff. They caught a lot of balls last night, and, and they're certainly – very active trying to get them the ball with Jadarian price. You can tell, I mean, he's got the burst and that looks good. And, and he had a couple runs where he ran really hard, but you can just tell he's still kicking, shaking off the rust a couple times. He got to the line a little too quick, you know, kind of ran in the back of guys, not real decisive just yet. Things we know we've seen him do in the past. is just, like I said, still shaking off the rust. Athleticism is good. Then you see, uh, the other kid, Devin Ford, I thought he looked more decisive. You could tell he's a little bit more experienced guy. He had a couple of nice runs where he maximized the yards that was there, four yards here, five yards there. He had like a, about 10 to 12-yard run, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, does a nice job in the pass game. Oh, and, and I – no, actually it was more quarterbacks. We'll talk about when we get quarterbacks. But, you know, just they did they did okay. There just wasn't a lot of room to work last night for the running backs. There, there really wasn't. And uh, – you know, like I said, the front seven really, really won that battle, and that allowed them to, to, you know, just 
kind of clog up the run game a lot. And it seemed to be doing a lot of that. Let's talk O-line. We have seen we have seen Pat Coogan for the last three or four practices working with the first group of left guard, uh, not Billy Shrouth. I, I, I wrote in my practice report, I, I think I know why Pat Coogan doesn't make a lot of mistakes. The problem is he's just not really quick. He doesn't have really quick feet. And he doesn't really dominate people. And so last night, you just see it. He just kind of does his job. I've said in the past, there's merit to that. But when when they would kind of come at him with some quickness, he he had a hard time. He he got just whooped a couple times by Gabriel Rubio. And you just don't see him make a lot of plays. And then you look at Billy Shrouth, and he'll make some really impressive blocks. But then he'll make some mistakes. And so it looks to me, as of now, again, 12 practices in, that they're going with the guy for now that just does his job. Now that could be one of two ways, one of two reasons. One is they're just, that's what they're doing. And until Shrouth executes at a higher level, they're just going to play the guy who's maybe not, doesn't really do much, but just other than do his job, or they could maybe be doing it as a motivation to Billy Shrouth. I don't know the answer to that. I just know that when Billy Shrouth is in the game and he knows what he's doing, he get he moves people. That's against the first team line, the second team line, didn't matter who it was. And then there's times where you could tell he just didn't execute the assignment. For me personally, I think this opportunity, um, no disrespect to Pat Coogan. He's a try-hard guy. He is he is what I was referring to earlier, that try-hard guy, uh, effort guy, great attitude. I mean, you, he'd just be the first offense, you know, the off, first team offense is getting ready to go to the huddle. He's always the first guy out there. Love that attitude about him. But he just – you could just see it. He just doesn't have the foot quickness to really play at the level you need him to play, constantly getting beat off the ball by the defensive line. Now, Pat's a, a strong kid, so he could kind of get beat off the line and still kind of stay engaged at times. But he doesn't move people because he just he just is constantly getting beat from an athleticism standpoint. I personally would – put Shrouth back in there and just keep working with him. Let him get those reps. Let him get those reps. Let him get those reps. I would have done it the other way around. I would have had Shrouth working, 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 working. And if you get to a point, maybe a couple weeks before the game and he's still making too many mistakes, then you could maybe work Pat Coogan in. But I just think this early in the process, it's it's a it's a mistake in my opinion to not be giving Billy Shrouth more of those, those first team reps uh, at the left guard position. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if if uh, that changes at all. It could just be that they're giving Billy that work because they want to see – or excuse me, Pat, that work because they want to see what he can do. I don't know the answers to that. We haven't seen enough of that. Um, you know, so we'll see how it plays out. But I, I, I don't I, – I, I didn't love that move. Rocco Spindler is clearly the top right guard right now. Uh, his From a performance standpoint and then just from a rep standpoint, I think he took almost all the reps at right guard last night. He did a solid job. You know, nothing nothing special. Nobody did anything great last night. He did a solid job. You know, Blake Fisher was was uh, really good in pass pro last night. Didn't get a ton of movement in the run game. Uh, had one good run block where they came off of him. The best run last night that I saw, again, I wish I could have film to go back and watch it, but it was a cut that I, I thought came right off of Billy Shrouth. Uh, at, at guard Zeke Carell got a little dinged up it looked like to me they took his helmet back he took his helmet from him and then he took he got it back but I think they just chose to not get him in there let Ashton Craig get some work so at that point in time you've got Pat Coogan at guard you've got Ashton Craig at center who's got a bright future but he's not ready yet and that factored into why the O-line wasn't as 
as dominant as it was last night either because you just you didn't have some of your you know one of your guy one of your veterans didn't play a ton last night he played and he's fine but um it looked more precautionary and i think he actually i could be wrong on this but i thought he got back in again for a couple plays later so the so again i don't think it was anything major but i'm not 100 certain of that but they just kind of got pushed around a little bit last night they competed they just didn't play well the, the line was constantly being reset on the on the defense on the offensive side of the ball, which is not where the offense wants to be. You want to reset on the defensive side of the ball. They weren't getting much push last night. They were getting beat from a quickness standpoint uh, last night. Got to the second level a couple times. But like there's a couple times like you see a guard running downfield like to the second level, nobody to block, and and you're like, dude, you, there was no reason for you to get off your double team. You don't get off a double team to get to the second level until there's a until you've either the the, the guy you're working with is overtaken you. Or, or, you know, somebody has flashed and they, the other guy hadn't overtaken it. So you could still tell, again, 12 practices in, they're still working on timing and cohesion. And that's all part of camp stuff. I mean, you're going to be there. You're going to have some of those mistakes. So they're going to have to keep working through that and uh, and they'll get there. And that's nothing that I'm going to necessarily be too upset about. We've seen the offensive line have some good moments in camp. We just – yet last night was not one of those one of those moments. Couple comments on the freshman offensive lineman last. Well, uh, a couple of veterans actually real first. So as I said, I, I I thought Rocco did a solid job. Mill Wagner had a rough night last night. You, you what you saw last night was the kid's got a chance to be really good, but he's just not there yet. And I wonder how much the moving him around the guard has maybe caused him to be a little rusty at tackle, and he's just got to shake that off a little bit, which is okay. I'm okay doing that with a number two as you're trying to find a, a place for him. I'm not criticizing Coach Rudolph for that. But when you then put him back out there, you can understand there might be some reps. He got but, – but the thing is he got pushed around a little bit last night from some really power – some power rushes from guys who aren't that big. So you could just tell Emil is still a work in progress when it comes to that strength and just the, the having enough meat on his bones. You, you got the, That got exposed a little bit last night. Now he's a strong kid. He's a quality athlete. He competes. He just, he just, based on last night, it's just not quite there yet. The other thing that we saw last night uh, with the freshman offensive lineman, Charles Jagasaw is big and athletic and fickle. Sullivan Absher is big, athletic, and physical. The problem, they don't have a clue what they're doing yet. (laughs) I mean, they really don't. They're very much works in progress. Um, there was one time where Charles Jagg, so I believe it was Charles, got just tossed by Brendan Vernon because he was coming on a pole. just didn't look like he necessarily knew how to take that on. But when they come off and they know what they're doing and they're confident in it, they can move people. They're really impressive. But uh, they're just – they're raw, and, and they're, they're a ways off from a technical stand, from a fundamental and technical standpoint so far there. Going to wrap up with the quarterbacks before we get to the mailbags. If you do have some mailbag questions, go ahead and throw those in there now, and we'll we'll get to that. But um, quarterback was an interesting night. Last night was the most sympathetic practice I've seen um, as a as an analyst of quarterbacks. And what I mean by that, and 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 Ryan can attest to this too, because he he played uh, high school football and college ball, and he's evaluated a lot. He's been to stuff like this. But I'm telling you, there's an expression we called uh, called camp arm. Ryan, he's down there. I, I'm not making this up, right? Camp arm is a thing. You'll hear, you'll see NFL teams during camp, during mini camp, will sign 
a, another quarterback that they they're not going to keep and they call him a camp arm. Well, why do you call him that? Because your quarterbacks can't take all those throws. And so, but it, even with that, there's going to be a time for about about a week in the middle of, pra- of of camp where you just don't have the juice on your arm because you've had all the summer throws, you've had all this, and it's just a fatigue thing that you work through. You ice it a little bit extra and you just work through it and it comes back. It's not a thing where you're necessarily threatened to get injured. It's just, you don't have the juice, right? Have you guys ever, you ever like done like a lower body workout day, right? Like you just squat and you power clean all that. And then you go try to run a hundred meters sprint and you're just like, okay, I'm not going to injure myself, but I just got no juice, right? I'm just fatigued. And that's really what it boils down to. And you saw that last night with, with all the quarterbacks. Um, you know, I, I've, I don't think Steve Angeli has a, a kind of a, a dominant arm, but I know he can throw with more zip than we saw last night. Camp arm. Sam Hartman twice badly underthrew a post route. Guys, we've all seen the film, right? We all know Sam Hartman can bang a post route. It just, the ball died. You could just tell he got no juice on it. So you saw a lot of camp arm last night, which then means it can be a little tough to evaluate the quarterbacks. What I did see last night is the decision-making with the young players, as expected, is not there yet. There were a couple times where you know guys were breaking open on outcuts where Steve Angeli just needs to get rid of the football. Just, just the pressure's coming, man. Just hit that back foot and let that sucker out there, throw it out to the sideline. He's just not there yet right now, at least from what we saw last night. So you're going to have to keep working on that. You get in the film room, you show, him, show it to him. He threw a really nice seam route to – um, uh, to Holden Stace, which was one of the better balls of the evening. Uh, that was good to see. And he's a quality athlete. He'll scramble around, but there were times some of those scrambles where he's getting sacked. He just was holding on to the ball too long. Kenny held on to the ball a little bit too long as well, but he didn't have as much time. I mean, the third team offensive line was getting whooped last night. He did make one of the, the throws of practice during a team, an early team period. So there's a pressure and Kenny is forced to scramble to his right. And he just lets loose with a rope about 15, 20 yards downfield. And Jaden Greathouse comes screaming across and dives down and makes the catch. I mean, it was a – and it was – Christian Gray was in coverage on the play. And there was nothing he could do about it. As I said, it reminded me of those C.J. Stroud plays last night, last year against Notre Dame. It was just a great ball and a great catch. And Vince was like, what was more impressive, the throw or the catch? And I was like, yes. I mean, they were just – they are both very impressive. You know, but again, Kenny's timing is still a, a much, a, very much a work in progress, as expected. So I wasn't down on what the court, the young quarterbacks did last night. I, I expect them to be behind this stage in practice. Uh, they're learning, and then these kind of mistakes. And, and keep in mind too, at times, Steve Angeli was with the second offense, going against the number one defense as well. And I think those are things that are going to, uh, you know, kind of help him learn a little bit as well. And so, didn't see a ton, to be honest with you. Uh, from the quarterbacks last night, part of it was the line didn't give him a ton of time, but there were several five, six throws where Steve Angeli needs to get the ball out. And, and yeah, you know, there's not a tight window, but it's better than taking that sack. And I kind of feel like because he can't get tackled, there's things that Steve thinks he can do scramble-wise that he couldn't do if they were allowed to tackle him. And he's going to have to work on that. And they're going to have to coach that out of him and say, hey, look, man, you get you got to get that ball out. Throw it out to the sideline. If your guy doesn't catch it, nobody does. But you got to get that ball out. The opportunities are there. So we saw a little bit of that last night. Sam Hartman was just kind of okay, not great last night. He did make one really good veteran play uh, that I liked. He, and I say okay, he had two 
back shoulder throws that just should have been caught for big plays. And they just dropped. They just couldn't come down with it. One to Jaden Thomas and one to Tobias Merriweather. Just got to make those plays, right? They had a great play. They ran an RPO and he starts getting outside, sees that they're co- the, they're covering Jaden Thomas. So he takes the ball down and kind of starts to run when he dro- he drops the ball and starts to run. The corner then, I think it was the corner, comes flying up and then Sam just flicks it over his head. Jaden catches it, runs down about 20 yards or so, gets inside the 10. Next play, a little bootleg touchdown pass to Mitchell Evans. So that was uh, one of the, the heads-up plays. But just the timing of the whole offense last night was not great. Partly a lot of that was because of the defense. But there was just a a couple false starts. There was just some sloppiness last night from the offense. If you're the coaching staff, you're going to get in the film room and, and, um, you know, give them a little bit of a butt chewing, but then get in the film room and and point that stuff out and get it corrected. The nice thing is they get a day off today, a perfectly timed day off. It was a, it was a, a scheduled day off. And, and that, would explain why there was so much physicality last night that they allowed so much physicality is because today's a rest day. So this is a great, this is a big getting, getting the the tubs, get to the treatments, you know, get some food in your body, get some rest. They probably let them sleep in a little bit today. I would imagine Uh, spend some time in the film room, get, you know, it's a get your mind right kind of day and then get back at it tomorrow. So you go do a little bit more bang, bang when you know that you've got a, a day of rest the next day, a physical rest from no practice. So, a good recovery day for the team, I think, as hard as they've been getting at it. There's been a lot of, a lot of, I don't want to say chippiness, but a lot of chirping back and forth. They're getting a little fired up with each other. And so I think a, a day off of, of being on the field can certainly help, can certainly help in those situations. And especially the offense is kind of like, you know, a regrouping kind of day, get in the film room and get back at it for that next day. So that's my, my analysis of the Notre Dame practice. We'll go to the mailbag next, but before we do, Folks, do us a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. Dropped uh, some some shows on CFB Nation channel today. Had uh, Matt Fortuna, who co- uh, used to cover uh, Notre Dame for The Athletic, now has his own site. He did an interview about conference uh, realignment with the Bills, Bill Trochi and Bill Bender from Sporting News on the CFB Nation channel today. So that's up there today as well. I also did my top 25 yesterday for those who didn't sh- see it. I did put it up on the CFB Nation channel, did import it over to the Irish Breakdown channel as well. So I, I kind of took that segment out and put it up as his own show on the podcast channel. So you definitely want to check that out. And we're about three people away from getting to our 3,000 mark in the message board. So if you've been sitting there and you used to be on the message board and you're going to sign up when the season starts or you've been wanting to maybe think about signing up the message board, number one, it's definitely worth it. But number two, now's the time to do it because then you can help us reach our goal of getting our subscriber numbers to where we want to get them to by the time the season starts. You can find that at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Again, boards.irishbreakdown.com. You can sign up as a monthly member, annual member, or you can join one of our booster clubs. And if you join one of the booster clubs, it comes with some free presents from you, some IB uh, club presents. So we definitely want to check that out too. So we're going to go to the mailbag next, but before we do, uh, thanks for listening to uh, this practice recap of Notre Dame's practice number 12.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.